Liddy Podcast. I am your host, Maria Felix, with my co-host, Lori Roggenkamp, and our resident guest, Cash Abdumalik, and our wonderful, wonderful guest, Marcelina Chavira. How are you? Hey. I'm good. I'm, I'm doing great, uh, which is strange for quarantine being. <laughs> I guess we can all say we're doing good relatively. Yeah, yeah. Think. Yeah, none of us owns a store. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, we're yeah. not all. We're, we don't all. We don't have businesses that we need to attend to. Exactly. I'm not a medical professional in any way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I pretend to be sometimes. I do too. My mom's a doctor, so uh, <laughs> it's pretty much. I pretty much have a medical degree too. I yes. inherited it. It's <laughs> genetic. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so I get kind of pushy with my medical opinions. All your diagnoses. Yeah, yeah. I like to. I <laughs> love diagnosing people's um, mental illness only because I have a lot of them myself. So I I feel like it's me identifying colleagues. Rather than judging people, I think that's fair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's nothing more disarming than if somebody's like mad at you, and you're like, "I think you have like some pent up, you know, anger, and you need to work on your anxiety." And like, <laughs> uh, it's, it's more like, like, um, oh, dude, yeah, you have a narcissistic personality disorder. <laughs> And that is why you're yelling at me right now for something that you did. Yes. Yeah. I do that too, except I just say that people are toxic. Uh -oh. <laughs> it's like, you're toxic and I'm going away from you. Then and I'd it, be like, oh man, yeah, that's, that's classic borderline personality disorder yeah. right there. Which is true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do that, but I just say, hey, fuck you, fucker. That's yeah. <laughs> That's that's how the, that's what that translates to. Hey man, that's that's a new that's a new um indication in the DSM. Yeah, <laughs> fuck fucker. you, fucker. <laughs> and I stick around. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, not really. I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, today's today's case takes us. Over to France. Oh, France. And we're, we're in the 1800s again. We just did a case in the 1800s. Uh, and we're sticking to it. They're so cool. They're so old-timey and rusty and sepia-toned. <laughs> <laughs> Is this going to be as wacky as the last one? Uh, maybe. All right. So Jean, uh, Jean Brecourt was a famous courtesan and blackmailer in 1800s Paris, France. She was very cruel with the men in her life and even drove some of them to madness in her quest to secure her financial future. Ooh. Ooh. Today's source is mainly from my favorite book that I have right now, Look for the Woman by J. Robert Nash, which is an encyclopedia of female criminals. Oh, cool. And it's, a, it's an old book, but it's a great one. It's so old that in some of it, sometimes the person hasn't died yet so there's just like a the 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 day the year of their birth followed by a dash because that guy because he's like they're still alive at the time 
<laughs> it's not like 1893 born though right? the book no like like it might ha- it might not have somebody who was who was born on like in the 1800s in the late 1800s actually you never they're know. still alive you never know for for jean actually it doesn't have an end date because no one is sure when she died <gasps> maybe she's, she's still alive. alive well if we go by the old guard you know our time is our time but it how, just might not be their time yet how <laughs> is that show I uh, I really liked the movie. I liked it a lot. There's a scene in it, like I I think I mentioned before that I couldn't <laughs> sleep because I was so terrified from. What oh, happened. it's scary. So, yeah, is it scary? There's show? just it's, right, no, it's, it. it's just an action movie. But there's just one scene in it where they talk about something that happened to somebody, and it it's it's like one of my worst nightmares. So I was just like, oh, I couldn't I couldn't sleep. Mm. So which what shows? Uh, the old guard. It's with uh, it's a movie on Netflix with. Chris- Charlize Theron. Yeah. Wow. It's based off a a graphic novel. And I read the graphic novel too because I I was like, oh, that that sounds interesting. And the graphic novel is really good too. So I would check that out if if you like graphic novels as well. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Cool. All right. Gene. All right. Well, that was our plug. (laughs) All right, guys. I'm going to go. I'll see you later. (laughs) Netflix, send free stuff. Yeah. Please. Jean was born in Paris in 1837. Her father was a printer and her mother was a street vendor who sold vegetables. They were fairly poor and often were too tired to pay any attention to little Jean. When she was five, she met a baroness who felt really bad for her and took her into her home. She spent three years with her. At first, er, after the first three years, she became a spoiled child who refused to play with other children who were socially beneath her as she saw it. She would say things. Yeah. She would say things like the daughter of a baroness cannot play with the daughter of a wine merchant. Oh, so her last name was Trump. (laughs) (laughs) What I love is, okay. So we, I mean, I think it's fair to say we all agree that that time was way more like crazy than now. I mean, to now is a crazy time, but like, there was like a lot more people were just murdering each other off the street. And it was just, but the fact that, that a woman made a full-time job out of selling vegetables on the street, I'm like, maybe it wasn't so bad. Maybe like, but there are people who still do that. There's a person like on, uh, vegetables though. Yeah. That, yeah, yeah. there's a, there's, yeah. yeah. Cause there's what the, what he does is he has a, they have trucks like little, the smallest U-Haul truck kind of thing. Okay. And they, they fill they it go with around produce. the neighborhood. It's only in the minority neighborhoods. Oh, yeah. see, I don't. Uh, yeah, there's <laughs> one. She's the daughter of a baroness. She can't be bothered. Lori <laughs> yes, La- is the daughter of a baroness. I'm sorry. We're just humble wine merchants. <laughs> My father kills snails for yeah, work. I'm sorry, I don't know. I don't know what you speak of. <laughs> I think I think you're really gonna like Jean, Lori. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I should take that as a comment. Thank you. I, think, I, don't know I, think, I I took college French. Can I take a stab at the name? Please oh, yeah. do because I know I'm saying it wrong. Okay, it's Jean Brecor. Jean Brecor. Jean Brecor. No, see, that was the problem. Is I can't do the nasally R, and that's what why. What are you doing with your Jean with Lecon. your mouth in the beginning when you're doing a? How are you doing that? That's the problem. 
That's why I had to get a W in French 101. A W? It's when you withdraw. Aww. Oh. <laughs> I opted to take Spanish. <laughs> I, I, I took Spanish in high school and I and I failed it. I'm a bad Mexican. I'm hey, not I'm a good bad at... French person, I guess. Yes. I took Spanish and then I, I cheated off the Spanish speaking person in our class and I got a C. So, so Yeah, that's a bad move on your part because <laughs> a bad Mexican too. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you should have known more. No, no, like, no. They know how to speak it. They don't know how to write it. That was my yeah. problem for a while. I can I can read it pretty good. Yeah, writing it is actually it there's a lot of rules. Yeah, there are too many rules. See, but in France, I mean in French, you don't have to pronounce everything, so you can get away with a lot as long as you sound confident. <laughs> Jean Boico. Yeah. There you go. Jean yeah, that was right. Jean Boico. Jean. Jean. Jean Jean. We're gonna there's an uh, E at the end, so you pronounce the N. But you don't pronounce the T at the end of breaker because there is no E at the end. Wow, I remember a lot more than I thought I did. Yeah, nice. There you go. It's all coming back to you. All right. Thanks. Throughout this story, I'm gonna I'm gonna put in this Zencaster chat the names so that Marcelina can pronounce them the right way. This is the Look, first as, time. As, as close as I can. <laughs> In 1848, when she was 11, her parents insisted that their daughter be returned to them. They were increasingly more poor and wanted Jean to ha- wanted Ye- what was it? Jean. Jean. Jean wanted Jean to help them by getting a job to support the family. So she was returned to her parents and made to sell gingerbread on the street to help them. Now, gingerbread, you can't survive off now. I would say that. I would say you can't sell gingerbread off the streets and survive. Well, not today. I could see maybe doing it during Christmas time. Yeah, or if you lived in like a small mountain town and you only sold this like like a real gingerbread town. Yeah, like if if you're selling it on the streets in in Maine, people are visiting and they're like, oh, gingerbread, it's July. Okay, sure. (laughs) Yeah, wow, Maine. I guess I'll buy a sweater. Yeah, <laughs> it's Christmas in July, you know. It's gingerbread in the shape of a lobster. Wow. <laughs> gingerbread is always, like, to me, the kind of cookie where you're like, I don't know why I always think this is going to be good. <laughs> like, every I know, time I've had it, yeah, I'm like, oh. Yeah. You have a little bit and you're like, okay. Yes. It's like but those really pretty cookies. Yeah. yeah. Just a pretty cookie and that's the problem. That's what they used to call me in high school. A pretty cookie. <laughs> and she was I, a problem. Yeah, but that's the problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that then sounds I like the, the It sounds like the intro to your uh like ID Discovery documentary. Uh, when I she eventually was a murder cookie. Yeah, when you eventually <laughs> murder somebody. <laughs> that's the problem. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Watch the question how this is always, pretty cookie crumbles. Oh my god. We're yeah. going to be saying these things a lot throughout this entire episode. <laughs> oh man. So she sold gingerbread for seven years, but at 18 she convinced the Baroness to take her back, telling her that if she had to sell bread for one more day she was going to kill herself. And it worked. 
the Baroness took her back in and found her a job at a silk plant. Mm. So Jean, traumatized by the dualities she had already lived, was desperate to make sure she was never poor again. So much so that once, after returning from a friend's wedding, she told the Baroness that she was desperate to get married. The Baroness, joking, pointed at a grocer who just so happened to be delivering their house to their house at the moment and said, you want a, you want a husband? There's one. <laughs> and remarkably, Jean married the grocer in a few weeks. Whoa. <laughs> this kind of reminds me of the time that uh, my mom told me I wouldn't, I would not, I got a job working at a uh, telemarketing place selling uh, car insurance, like older cars. And she goes, you're not going to last three weeks. And I was like, okay. And I worked there for four weeks. Yeah. You showed her. Yeah. I was just like, I, and I was going to work there forever, but I was like, but then soon, like literally the third day, I was like, this job sucks ass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> now to hold on for three more weeks. Yeah. So I love how she was like, yeah, okay. I will marry him. That will be my husband. Yeah. By the way, I know everybody's French in this, but for some reason, the grocer in my mind has the weirdest voice. And she's like, you're going to marry him. And he, he's like, gosh, my luck's looking up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm they marrying a French me, girl. They told me not to go to France, but look at me. I'm a grocer selling groceries and I'm marrying a French girl. <laughs> <laughs> you guys aren't far off. Oh, no. Stop it. No. Yeah. Her benefactor, the Baroness, gave Jean and her new husband, Gra, spelled G-R-A-S, so I think it's Gra. Yeah. That means fat. Oh, Uh, yeah. Like foie gras. Yeah. Yeah. Gra. (laughs) Well, that was his first name. (laughs) Nice. Uh, She gave them enough money to buy and open a new grocery store. But it didn't matter, as Gras and Jean could not be more different. Gras was a crude and drunk peasant who was only interested in Jean for sex. I'm shocked by that. <laughs> I'm shocked that he wasn't like uh, just a very kind-hearted man who was like, all I want to do is to show you every day that I love you. <laughs> He's like, I just cut up the beef. Let's have sex on the beef. Uh, yeah, again, not far off. Oh, I, I bet you his favorite thing was like combining everything at once. I can't wait till I can eat and get a blowjob and take a crap at the same time. Uh, Every cool. orifice in action. Yeah. <laughs> EOA. That's crazy. That is, I said it. That sounds like a Pornhub thing. EOA? Yeah. That's my search. Somebody search that. (laughs) (laughs) Also search wet toes. You'll be shocked. No. 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 Why? Every time time you hear a weird name like that, like search blah, blah, it's like, no. Yeah. Learned our lesson (laughs) when we were 14. (laughs) Yeah. No. I'm not. Searching. I don't even. I'm cutting this out of the podcast. I don't even want to know about it. <laughs> Gross. At all hours, at all hours of the day and night, even when customers were in the store, he would drag her to the room behind their grocery store and have sex with her. Sometimes he would even try to do it in the store, 
and would often pull up her skirts in front of people. What? Yeah, really wow. Now, so this that, wasn't sex. This was rape. He it was, was rape. raping. Yeah, he was raping well. her on a constant basis. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. brother. Over her years with the Baroness, Jean had private tutors, learned proper etiquette, and was apt in the art of conversation and the study of the fine arts. So, unsurprisingly, her and Gra argued all the time. One of their foretelling arguments had her shouting at him that he would die in a hospital, a drunk, and he told her that she would die in prison, a criminal. When Jean started refusing sex, when Jean started refusing sex, Gra picked up a bag and left. Just left. Oh, so he he was giving her a choice at some point. I guess, yeah. Oh, Which, that's interesting. I mean better off she's better off in this case because it's like well he fucking he's gone i said no and he left that's best case scenario what's she gonna do with a grocery store well she moved back in with the baroness for a few months while she sold the grocery store and used that money to move out great nice yeah and she sold that grocery store to a very polite couple named the ralphs and they went on They went on to murder seven children. I don't know why. <laughs> a few years passed until she resurfaced in Paris. This time, she was a beautiful courtesan going by the name Jeanne de la Cour. I'm pretty sure I'm saying that right. Yeah. Which means Jeanne of the Heart. Hmm. In oh, her t- de la cour. Yeah, de la cour. De la cour. <laughs> yeah, de la cour. <laughs> In her time laying low, she had tried acting, writing. Uh, she had tried acting, writing novels, and journalism, but failed miserably at all of them, which is pretty sad. Yeah. <laughs> back, back then, journalism is just writing in journals. Like <laughs> <laughs> back then, acting was just standing on stage and talking loud. Yeah, <laughs> and putting it's... on the white makeup. Yeah, yeah, the super like powdery white. Yeah. Makeup. Oh man, that's funny. It seems at this point in her life, Jean had made a decision to use men to her full advantage. She wrote to her sister saying. All is dust and lies. I don't know what when she's <laughs> British. All is dust and lies. I can't. I can't still, do French no, no, for some she's reason. She's being still played British. by a British actress, so that's yes, cool. Yes, it's Charlize Theron. Right. Yeah. All right. All right. All is dust and lies. So much the worse for the men who get in my way. Men are mere stepping stones to me. As soon as they begin to fall or are played out. I put them scornfully aside. Wee oui, wee. Oui. That's my French. <laughs> uh, society. That was great. Thank you. Society is a vast chessboard. Men upon some white, some black. I move them as I please, and break them when they bore me. I don't know who plays oh, chess. Enchanté. Enchanté. <laughs> Madame. I don't Madame. know who plays chess and breaks the pieces. That's very rude. It's very rude. It sounds very oh. sing songy, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I break I them when they she was a... me. <laughs> yeah, very there you go. Musical. I think this was like the secondary lyrics to, uh, what was that song? Ave uh, Maria. 
Yeah, no, it was the Allez-vous coucher oh, avec voulez-vous moi? Coucher yeah. avec yeah. moi this voulez-vous... Yeah. Yes. Voulez-vous... Yeah, that one. Lady then... Marmalade. That's yeah. it. And you used, to, you used to have every girl in high school singing it and being like, this is such a fun song. And then to be like, <laughs> come sleep in my bed or come fuck me or some gross thing. I was like, oh. <laughs> I didn't know what I was saying. Would you like to sleep with me this evening? Yeah. Well, then it makes it weirder that my assistant principal said he had to think about it. So (laughs) it's like we'll see. Yeah, (laughs) if I can get out of my schedule. Uh, So far, Jeanne seems pretty like a pretty modern lady. Besides, you know the snobbery and classism. Yeah. So far, so good because she says some white, some black, so she doesn't discriminate in her lovers. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. all about that paper. Yeah. But when okay, they bore her, she breaks them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so for uh, a few examples of what she would do to guys. One of her lovers, an unnamed German merchant, gave Jean, gave Jean, whatever. I'm never <laughs> going to get it right. All his money and assets. After he had, she refused to see him again. And he committed suicide. When she, when told about it, she simply said, "One less, one less German in Paris." See, you're doing a better job than me. That's cold. That's yeah. pretty cold, yeah. Another young man was an aristocrat, and he showered he showered her with gifts, even stealing the family jewels for her. Ooh. When he ran out of things to give her, though, she told him she was sexually or he was sexually inadequate. <laughs> I just, I can't. <laughs> this is really gross, but I can't stop laughing because I just think that he stole his father's testicles. <laughs> she's like, your father has huge balls. What happened to yours? I stole like, the family jewels. Oh, the family jewels. <laughs> it's not the size of the boat. It's the motion in the ocean. <laughs> Look at these around my neck. What are yours? They're like tiny. Me out. <laughs> he killed himself the next day with an overdose of oh cantharides. God. She's dating scrubs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, these guys are so these guys cannot take a critique. No, no. no. Oh man. And I looked up what cantharides were, and they're derived of cantharidin or cantharidin, also known as Spanish fly, which ah. is a poison sourced from blistering beetles. They also oh, used to use it as an aphrodisiac. Yes. So he OD'd on something to make his pickle have more work. tickle. <laughs> have yeah. a dick. Yeah, yeah. That was probably the irony of it. So I wonder if he meant to kill himself. Or Guys, I've was- never called a penis a pickle before. I don't know why I did that. <laughs> <laughs> That was really weird for you, me. I could see you going to Chippendales and seeing a dancer and being like, wow, take a look at that pickle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, like, now I'm out. only going to use pickle. <laughs> yeah. I like to shell that out and fill it with cream cheese. Man, we're going to have to ask <laughs> I was in West Hollywood once with my friend Kai and some guy who was on, it was uh, for Pride and this guy was dancing on a float and Kai, all of a sudden, super loud, was like, 
get a look at that banana. And everyone, <laughs> everyone around us became really quiet. And I just looked at him just like, I hope you're proud of yourself. <laughs> that makes sense, though, because Kai, your friend Kai, talks like he's stuck in the 1950s yeah. all the time. <laughs> get a look at that broad over there. Yeah. The like, gam's on her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wowie wow. God, those legs go on till forever. <laughs> I'm here to Vermont. <laughs> this just in. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, in uh, in addition to inducing an erection, cathartin in large amounts can cause external blistering via chemical burns. <gasps> and when ingested, it can cause anal bleeding, which can lead to death. God. Oh, it's like those Lester chips. Um, so, so did he <laughs> did he ingest it? Yes. Or did he put it on his person? I mean, probably. I think oh, you have to ingest it, it right? <laughs> Wait, you uh, were there? Yes, you have to ingest it for it to be the aphrodisiac. Oh, okay. That's wow. not a good oh. way to die, guys. Bloody no. buns? Nope. Bloody buns. <laughs> What's it called again? Uh, Spanish ca- fly. Yes. Or cathariden. Uh, I would love it if it was like if it was like a medication like Viagra nowadays where it'd be like warning may cause anal bleeding <laughs> and death and blisters <laughs> and death. I assure you it would still sell. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think my dad has a jar of it in the bathroom. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my dad bought some when I was when I was a kid and I found it. And then Viagra? Um, Yes. Or cantharidin. No, not, can- <laughs> not cantharidin. The Viagra. And there was another thing, too. Um, Extend? No, no. I remember I told my best friend Noah about it, and we laughed about it for days. I think it was, like, called Semenol. It was supposed Ew. to, like... Ew. And... I think it's Semenex. That's what it was! It was called Semenex! Uh, and yeah. we laughed about it for days! Because the idea is just like, why do you want more? Disgusting. <laughs> just disgusting. relax. I, so. This is my father-in-law talking <laughs> about <sorry>. my, <laughs> my dad. <laughs> to be fair, the bottle was closed. So he's just... He's oh, just... Okay. <laughs> it's just for show, guys. It's, it's a joke. For... It's a joke. Yeah, it's a joke. I just figured you would go in that tiny cupboard. <laughs> <laughs> you fell for it. Huh? Uh, you thought I'd actually use it. Here's some money. So last, Get out of here. Your- Christmas, my my brother and I, my brother and, I, and my dad and I were watching TV, and my brother goes, "Hey, I was thinking of getting some edibles, Dad. Do you want to do some edibles with me?" And um, Dad was like, "No, um, because THC really lowers your sperm count." And then goes into this long <sighs> and unnecessary description about how he has very low testosterone oh, and God. his sperm count is very low, and he needs to be able to keep his testosterone up because if he can't, then his he can't get he can't get an erection. And my brother and I were just staring at each other. And the and then my dad goes, All right, well, good talk, everybody. And then my brother goes, Oh, we should have gotten high before we did. <laughs> that would have really killed the high. high. That would have killed I, the high. Oh I was like, God. the whole time I was like, I really wish I had done drugs before. <laughs> oh man. It was so weird. Think the THC messes with your testosterone, just the sperm, and he, yeah. he already had y'all. Yeah, he well, I guess it's something to do with like low sperm count, also as low testosterone, or I don't know. He I blocked out a lot of what he said. 
Oh, I just remember him. I remember him singing like erection five times and I was like, happy place, happy place. (laughs) (laughs) Did he get super red in the face again while explaining? Uh, He gets red in the face no matter what. That's our family. (laughs) We get red in the face. We get red in the face when we're talking, when we're just laying there, when we're when we're in the shower, anything we do, and we get red in the face. <laughs> so what kind of cheese do you want on your sandwich? I like American, but a Swiss is pretty good too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, back, back to Yin. Okay. Yin. I don't know. Another unnamed guy who had given all his fortune to her died poor and in the hospital from alcohol poisoning. But even while he died, he called out for her. John. John. Uh, John. John. The dude couldn't pronounce his name either. Yes. Her name. <laughs> John. John. Jean. 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 She didn't come. She didn't know because he didn't say her name right. Yeah, she's like, I don't, I, I don't hear anything. It's me, Jean. <laughs> Down the hall. <laughs> None of these are crimes, though, right? These are just all men that she seduced, but then she was it like, sounds rude, she like extortion. Okay. She hasn't really committed a crime, per se. She hasn't yet. committed a okay. crime yet. No. Just, just sure. having the best hoo ha in Perry. Exactly. <laughs> the best little hoo ha in Perry. I love all the, all the euphemisms you're using yeah. tonight. I, yeah. I do say hoo ha. That one makes me. <laughs> yeah. What about, his, what about his dinkle dunkle? <laughs> <laughs> no. After, <laughs> after 10 years as a courtesan and now with some wealth, Jan admitted herself to a private asylum. She was reportedly riddled with STDs. <laughs> Apparently, riddle. Oh my god! Damn! Oh you never want to hear that. You never want to hear riddled with. Steam. No, that's no. a bad one. That's You've crazy. got quite the collection of venereal diseases. <laughs> yes, you are, oh, you are overflowing oh, with crabs. Fun fact. Yeah. Uh, okay, so back in the day, they had so many diseases, and one of the side effects of STD back then was that your hair would fall out from syphilis. Oh yeah, and oh. your your hoo ha hair would fall out too. So they would make merkins out of beaver pelts, and that's why it's called a beaver. Oh wow! Oh. I didn't know that's also where merkins ex- came from. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. I've also seen old slang where um, sailors referred to women's private parts or hoo-hahs as pelts. <laughs> oh. Seriously. Yeah. No, it's just funny. That's interesting. Yeah. It's really, it's, it's crass as fuck. <laughs> Could you imagine getting a lady home and she takes off her wig and you're like, all right, I can live with that. And she all takes right. off her pubic one. <laughs> he's, he's, like, he's like, no, like, uh That's where I draw the line. Are Where's you riddled with STDs? <laughs> but the pelt, the pelt. It's gross. 
Oh, man. Sex must have just been awful back then. I can't imagine that anybody was fully enjoying it. No. <laughs> no. 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 Even the guys. It would have smelled interesting. A lot of the time would probably be the grossest part. Oh, the stench. There's a really good uh, Jonathan Swift poem. I think it's called Celia Shits, where he he's yes. It's it's funny. He like goes to this uh, sex worker's place, and like he can't do it with her because her place is so gross. And then a woman of the same era wrote a like a diss track against Jonathan Swift in the same like poem Uh. format, saying like, "Nah, man, you just couldn't get it up." Oh, that's that's 18th century Irish diss tracks. Yeah, that's old school. Whenever they would like argue with each other, but the papers wouldn't come out. The journals would come out like months within (laughs) each other. Yeah. I like to think that in the 1800s, there's a there's an old Irish guy just going world star. So look she it up, all- Celia, Celia Schitt's Jonathan I, Swift. I'm definitely going to look that up. That's really funny. She was uh, also said to have convulsions, hysterics, and deep depressions where she wouldn't speak at all. A doctor, this is such a, I added this in because it's such a weird description. A doctor described her as dark in complexion, with dark expressive eyes, very pale, a nervous temperament, agreeable and pretty. What? Yes. What? That's all across the board. She yeah. was inside, but she was also outside, up and down. <laughs> what the fuck is that? Doesn't make any sense. He also is dark oh, in complexion and very pale. I don't understand. That makes was no sense. Was the light not on? <laughs> is that like? Yeah. I don't. Is there a shadow? Is she standing in a shadow? Yeah, maybe she was always shrouded in shadow no matter what room she went into. It sounds like a description of anybody in a Tim Burton movie. (laughs) Dark, very pale. Yeah, that's true. Weird eyes. And they were also Johnny Depp. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Oh, we should do a secondary episode for no other reason than just to cover all the nonsense that's been happening with this Johnny Depp trial. Have you been paying attention? Yes. Yes. Oh my god, uh, Amber Turd. Uh, Amber Turd. Because she pooped in their bed. <laughs> yeah, that oh, was she pooped in their bed? Turd. Yeah, yeah. Like they're accusing each other of shitting and pooping, of shitting and peeing all over their mansion. Everywhere. What? Everywhere. Such a they, weird... today, just today they said that the, they accuse each other of like shitting and pooping in opposite sides of the house. Dude, she totally was having an affair with Elon Musk while she was married to Johnny Depp. Wait, wait, wait. wait. I don't know anything about this. Oh, it's so much. We could spend another episode, so we have to move on. But I will (laughs) say this one thing is uh, our uh, all of us know uh, Coop Foster is a a really good friend. Genius. And she posted a thing (laughs) where. the article said that uh, Johnny Depp reports that Amber Heard punched him in the face for losing yes. seven hundred and fifty million dollars. Was that you, Lori? I thought it was, not- <laughs> was no, it was, it was me. It I- was you. I'm sorry. It was me. Wait. Well, I'm also a genius, so I appreciate <laughs> it. Um, Lori is also a genius. Lori, you're the yeah. smartest. 
I'm sorry. Yeah, no. I, I posted. I said that. Yeah, I would do more. I would do more than punching. Well, how, how did he lose? How do you lose million dollars? I think I forgot what the article said, but I think it was just like he. It, it was a really dumb thing. Like he was doing something. It wasn't even like oh, bad investment. It's like he was like, I want to see how what it looks like to burn cash oh, or something. No, burn like it was cash? really stupid. These no, people it was, have it too was much money along the lines of that. It was just really dumb. So I forgot what it was, but I, yeah, it was just like, I, I that, cause that was the only thing that I ever was like, Oh, Amber Heard. I don't, I don't disagree with Amber Heard on this one. Like I would, if I found out that my husband lost $750 million, I think you would be like, where's your husband? Uh, he went away. What? He, uh, he went somewhere. <laughs> How does Johnny Depp have almost a billion dollars to lose. He, Tim Burton. He got like Tim Burton. Oh, he got bailed out. Oh no, I bet it's pirates. Tim Burton, yeah. pirates. Yeah. Um, a lot of the shit that he did. Disney, uh, Willy Wonka, all that stuff. Oh my, he has like an endless, a lifelong contract with Disney. So he'll never- he also like he had a he was in debt for a while and then he got bailed out by somebody i forgot who but they like essentially like because he was like he had like a bunch of tax issues and stuff so he yeah he's um but all of that kind of came out after he was like married to amber heard and then he they got shortly after got divorced and just think about the timeline of their marriage stop it Okay, we're Sorry. gonna get back. We're gonna go back to Jean. In 1865, okay. <laughs> in 1865, Jean was deemed cured and released. Using the fake title of Baroness, she traveled to the resort town of Vittel and stayed at the most expensive hotel spa there. But her money started running low, and she returned to Paris to prostitute again. But she was getting old for those days. Oh, and no. her looks were fading. So what did she get to? She like, was 19? <laughs> yeah, I guess 23. I was shooting it way too hard. She was in her, she was, uh, let's see, 1865 and 76. She was in her 20s. Yeah. She was in her late 20s. Yep. Getting up there, ain't you, miss? <laughs> <laughs> That's so sad. She still got clients, but now she worked on blackmailing them for money. For one guy, a count, she told him that she was pregnant uh, and he, trying to hide the pregnancy because he was already married, paid her off. And of course, the pregnancy was completely fake. You told me you had your tubes tied. <laughs> you said you had one tube tied. One tube, two, two tubes, tubes, three tubes. <laughs> <laughs> Here's some cash. I have to go. <laughs> he counted every single dollar out. Every friend. And then and then Henson like a Sir Henson walks by and goes, I think I'll use that as a character. (laughs) (laughs) She did this kind of stuff for a while. And then, in 1873, while at a ball, she met the well-to-do gentleman, Georges de Saint-Pierre. George, okay, Marcelina, George? Georges de Saint-Pierre. And George ends with an S. Is that silent? Georges. Yeah. 
because you pronounce the je, <laughs> but not the s. Georges de Saint-Pierre. Georges de Saint-Pierre. Saint. <laughs> Georges immediately fell for her and never minded. Sorry, I said she was in her 20s. But I think she's in her late 30s. Um, oh. Well, yeah, she's way past two, even for today's standard. Yeah. <laughs> also, don't forget, she's riddled with STDs. Some of them <laughs> probably went away. I get. Mm. Oh, okay. Mm. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, he didn't mind the 16-year difference between them. He immediately became her lover and supported her financially. Some say he regarded her as her as his lover and his mother, since his mother had passed when he was only five years old. Oh no! Sounds like somebody's gonna be wearing diapers. Yeah. In the bedroom? Yep. In the boudoir? The boudoir. That's not a good combo. Nope. He wrote her love letters like this one. It is enough for me that you love me because I don't wear you and I love you with all of my heart. I cannot bear to leave you. We will live happily together. You will always love me truly. And as for me, my loving care will always ever protect you. I don't know what would become of me if I did not feel that your love watched over me. <laughs> your, your form is ever before my eyes. I wish I could enshrine your pure heart in gold and crystal. And then he faded away because he was a ghost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I totally thought you were going to say, I wish I could quit you. <laughs> I wish I could quit you on this long country boy, Johnny's. <laughs> Both George and Jean wanted to be married, but Jean, but Jean knew that George's relatives would never allow it under normal circumstances. She didn't come from money, was much older than him, and was still technically a prostitute. After four years of being together and no ring, Jean really started to worry. Then um, she went to a party in 1876. She watched, fascinated, as an old courtesan friend of hers, so an old prostitute friend of hers, came in with her completely blind lover. The man showered her with affection. Her friend explained to her, I love this victim of nature and look after him with every care. He is young, rich, without family, and is going to marry me. Like you, Jean, I am just on 40. My hair is turning gray. My youth vanishing. I shall soon be cast adrift on the sea, Eric. And this boy is the providential spear to which I am going to cling, that I may reach land in safety. Then Jean said, Laurie, that's you. <laughs> My congratulations. <laughs> and what will, what is all the more wonderful, your lover will never see you grow old. <laughs> what is I can't, that? I, can't, what? I cannot do it any better. Yeah, that, was, that was pretty good. That's I thought Charlize Theron was playing her yeah, though. I thought she was in. Oh yeah, sorry. I guys, you know, I'm just I'm evermore the character actor, so I keep going back and forth. Oh, I see. My congratulations. 
And what is all the more wonderful, your lover will never see you grow old. <laughs> I got Southern. Okay, guys, I am as confused <laughs> by my accents as you are. Now you're Shalice Theron in The Devil's Advocate. Remember yeah. that? Yeah. Oh, no. See, that's more. Ma, congratulations. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I love that movie. Great so movie. much. It's the best. It's okay. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, man. So the image of the helpless lover began to stir up a plan in Jean's mind. Oh, no. She contacted an old childhood friend named Natalise Godry. But pronounce it like you're making fun of it in French, and that usually works out too. <laughs> Natalie. Yes. Natalie Godry. There you go. She had, see- she had last seen him a year earlier in 1875 in a chance encounter on the street. He swooned over Jean when he saw her and said his wife had died earlier that year and that he worked at an oil refinery at St. Denis now, or St. Denis. She called him to her apartment and while dressed in lingerie, told him that she needed help around her apartments. Plural, because she has many apartments. (laughs) Ooh. But this was 1800s lingerie, so it was a turtleneck. In a, in a turtle shell. Yeah. In a turtle shell. <laughs> for this whole movie, or this whole movie, for this whole story, I imagine Moulin Rouge. Like if Moulin Rouge had gone terribly wrong. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I would I would watch this directed by Baz Luhrmann. Oh, yes. That'd be so good. That would be really Song. good. The songs are already there. What did she say earlier? I cast them aside. <laughs> when they like just pieces. <laughs> I break them. <laughs> and she asked him to be her handyman. He immediately agreed and worked all his spare hours. So he was still working at the oil refinery, full-time job, and then went over to her house uh, in all his spare hours to do odd jobs for her. He Scrub. Scrubbed- oh, sorry. I said scrub, and you just said scrub. That's yes. great. He's a scrub. <laughs> Double scrub. He sounds like a nice guy, though. He seems like he's he's like legit trying to help her out and stuff. Well, he lo- he's like in love with her. Oh, okay. Scrub. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he scrubbed her floors. <laughs> yep. Of course he did. Carried coal and even bottled her wine for her, which I didn't know you had to do back then. All right. You bought your wine bottled. That oh, seems yeah, you probably go to the giant cask and just fill her up. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. At the old Costco. <laughs> Le Casco. Le Casco. Le Casques. <laughs> oh, man. Some weeks went by, and then Godry asked her to marry him. She gently refused him, but offered to introduce him to some of her beautiful friends. Oh. Jean did follow through on this and invited friends over for lunch to introduce to Godry. She invited an actress, a seamstress, and rich prostitutes that she called, she introduced to him as merchants. (laughs) But none of them were interested in the rough, ugly Godry. Aww. Aww. Yeah. Yeah. When will I come to love? Where will somebody love me for me? <laughs> Super sad. Scrub. <laughs> he was the author in this book, at the very least. Make sure to describe Godry as like a rough, 
ugly man, like a mannish buffoon. Buffoon. <laughs> well, you feel bad for him, but then at the same time, it's like he's going after like a prostitute and like uh, what like I I guarantee you, there's a woman who like lives in the neighborhood that he lives in. And he she's like. I'll marry you in a second. And he's like, no, I could do better. Exactly. So, yeah. Now, are are they, are, should we be referring to them as sex workers back in the 1800s? Or is that like a, the definition of what a, a, the word prostitute actually means? Courtesan means prostitute of, of like uh, upper, of, of wealth. All right. That's the, de- I looked it up because I was also like curious. I was like, is a courtesan? Because I thought at first I was like, courtesan might be like a geisha. Yeah. You know, where it's not like, it's not the same thing. They're but just no, wealthy means- yeah. ladies of the evening. They're escorts. Escort. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To him, the idea that Jean was trying to find him a good wife only endeared Jean more to him. On November 17, 1876, Jean sent for Gaudry and said it was an urgent matter. He rushed to her, and she told him a story about how she had been terribly wronged and could think of nothing but revenge. (laughs) She said that she had loaned some money to a man who had defrauded her, refusing to repay her now. She said, oh, this is going to be Charlize Theron. I like to think that she called him in the middle of the night, and he rushed over, and he was like, Oh my God, this is it. This is it. And then he gets there and she's like, somebody wronged me. And he's like, uh, tell me more. I thought you were going to show me it was under the turtle shell. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. And she's, she's, she's moving it like sultrily and he's like, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, because the turtle shell's on her front. It's not <laughs> That's what that thing no. was in the picture. Oh, yeah. <laughs> The turtle shell. So she said, oh. <laughs> I will strike back at his dearest possession, and that is his son. You, my dear Na- Natalis, will be the instrument of my revenge. Revenge. <laughs> revenge. <laughs> revenge. <laughs> she then took him to the exclusive men's club where Georges was hanging out, and they waited in the carriage until she could point out one of the men who stepped outside, which was George. And she named him as the man's son of who had wronged her. George later left for a family vacation over Christmas, delaying her plan. In January, and like in, in this era, like George leaves twice. He leaves once for Egypt for six months. And then, <laughs> and, and like this one, he leaves for his family's estate, but he's still there in January. Like, he wouldn't have even come back. He wouldn't have even come back yet until she had asked him to come back. So I get it in the sense of like, well, you're traveling. It takes forever to get there. You yeah. might as well stay a super long time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in January, still at his family's estate, he wrote to her saying. I'm going to change his voice a little bit because okay. he's a little bit more. No, stick to the voice that you know. <laughs> yeah, stick to the one like voice everybody that I've been doing else is doing. I can't bear leaving you. <laughs> when I meant I mean to, we will live together. I have difficulties with my family, which have made me depressed. The difficulties do not concern money or business, but <laughs> but are a kind 
that I can only communicate with you in person. Jean. Bye. <laughs> Jean, paranoid that his family had finally discovered her past, was ever more determined to enact her plan. She wrote back to him and begged him to come back on January 12th, the night before an opera that she really wanted to go to because she wanted to see some of her old friends there. And the no. lady of quality should not go alone. He wrote back. Oh, okay. I'm jumping back into the count because it's more fun. I don't <laughs> understand why you're so anxious to go to the opera. I can't see any real reason for your wanting to tire yourself out at such a disreputable gathering. <laughs> However, if you are happy and well and promise to be careful, I will take I would be the last person, my dear little wife, to deny you anything that would give you pleasure. I am depressed this evening <laughs> for a very, for a very little, for a very little, for a very mm -hmm. little, I could break down altogether and give you, give, give way to your tears. You can't imagine what horrid thoughts possess me. If I felt your love close to me, I should be less sad. <laughs> hello. Hello, sir. Uh, my name is Mr. Henson. Uh, so Mr. Henson, <laughs> uh, I was hearing you read a letter out loud and I was just wondering, um, I was wondering if maybe I could write down some of your descriptions, maybe uh, uh, get uh, like have you explain your voice to me and what. <laughs> Sounds like a good going... time. I like this. How about we go to I'm... a cafe and sit down and talk about it? All right. All right. I think this is a great friendship. Um, don't mind that I've changed my accent. Uh, <laughs> I... <laughs> that happened? I think I'm going to uh... be killed by this guy. <laughs> I, think... I think I'm going to kill this guy. That's, <laughs> that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's fun once she received this letter she asked Godfrey to come over January 11th so now she's back to Natalie when she arrived she showed him a bottle asking do you know what this is my dear Natalis she moved close uh, and removed the cork saying I'm suffering because of the injustice done to me it has made me physically ill. I must revenge upon the son of the man who has cheated me. Make him suffer if you love me, Natalis. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on, guys. Let's move on. That was flawless. That's All right. Great. Great. She dropped a single drop of the liquid onto the carpet beneath him and then ate through the fiber in seconds. She handed the bottle of what was vitriol, now known as sulfuric acid, to him. Oh, shit. Yes and said, Use it, and I swear I will be yours. I will become your lover. Audrey, <laughs> horrified, said, I would do anything for you but this. I'm a soldier, and I was given a medal of veil in the Italian war in 1959. <laughs> what? <laughs> which you know, madam, using acid is not the way of the work of a soldier. I will provoke the young man to duel. I will kill him that way. Weird flex, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> and she also said, No, no, he is not your class. He would never fight you. I ask that you play the cowardly ruffian for me. I know you are, a, are an island soldier, but you must... Or... Sorry. <laughs> 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 for fixing that. <laughs> Everyone who was sitting, Maria just changed like, it from Alan to Gallant because it was a, like, a typo. Guys, 
I'm like, Will Ferrell, I will read what's on the prompter. Um, <laughs> I know you are a gallant soldier, but you must play the role I assign you, and then you can have me. <laughs> Man, jeez, this is this is not great, guys. <laughs> International conversation, and they're having fun. Audrey was oh, man. but he agreed to do it. They even rehearsed it and her experience as an actress coming into play, I guess. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. oh, man, that's fun. <laughs> she told Godri that she had arranged for the son to take her to the opera ball and that they would ar- arrive home late on January 13th. The plan was for Godri to wait here when Jean got home and rang the bell for the porter to open the outer gate to the courtyard which led to her apartments. The porter would then go back inside, leaving the gate open until Jean rang for him to close it. Gaudry was to use this moment to run into the courtyard, throw the acid in George's face, aiming for the eyes, and she would be pretending to be to close the inner gate, but would keep it open so Gaudry could escape. That Saturday, Georges and Jean ate inside the apartment while Gaudry already waited in her closet. While Georges fetched the carriage, she kissed Gaudry and promised him that it would all be over soon and that, oh, well, I guess it's in her voice. So, Charlene. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it will soon be over and then you will be my lover for life, darling Natalis. <laughs> You kind of sound I mean, like, uh, what's your name from uh, What We Do in the Shadows? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, awesome. Next time I get a chance, uh, I'm going to read it as somebody else from that show. <laughs> you should re- read it as, what's this, Matt Matt Barry. Oh, you should read it. Matt Barry. Uh, I, I might do Nandor. He does it. No, Nandor's pretty fun. Nandor's Matt awesome. Barry can get it. <laughs> he does a great Matt Barry. Cash is a great Matt Barry impersonation. Nice. So. Just throwing out there. <laughs> but that's weird because Cash is like my dad. <laughs> so I can't, I'm not going to imagine that. <laughs> it's okay. I often make Cash do different voices and accents that turn me on. Nice. Ooh. <laughs> she gave him a book and he, prim- he promptly fell asleep reading it, waiting for them. Because an oil refiner, he doesn't, he's not going to read a book. I don't- <laughs> You probably read like the first three words and was like, to be your. (laughs) Well, the book was uh, a book full of essays by probably a philosopher or some guy at the time called uh, Montigny. I don't know. Oof. Uh, So it's super boring, I'm sure. It's not like it was Harry Potter. Then he would have stood a chance, I feel like. Yeah. What do you yeah. mean? French philosophy is renowned for its entertainment value. Oh, yes. <laughs> All those hit shows on HBO about it. <laughs> yeah. At a re- Comedy Central. Yeah. It's all, all, all French uh, philosophers. Yeah. Yeah. Not many people know that. At around 2.30 a.m., he heard the sound of a carriage approaching. He rushed downstairs and waited in the shadows of the courtyard until he saw Georges standing there alone. He ran towards him, uncorking the bottle as he ran, and threw the liquid into Georges' face. He then ran out of the gate. Georges screamed in pain, 
and Jean stood by his side. When the police asked, when the police came and asked who would do this, they said they had no clue and that it must have been a case of mistaken identity. George had no enemies to speak of. At the hospital, it was revealed that George had been completely blinded in one eye, and in the other, he was partially blind and saw mostly blurry shapes. Oof. Ooh. His face was also scarred and disfigured. Aww. George was now completely dependent on Jean, like she planned. Oof. Jean went so far as to convince George not to see his family. Even though they tried to visit several times, George denied them, <clears throat> saying he only required and wished for Jean's presence. The family then found out that Jean planned to move George to Italy. This prompted an uncle of his that he told uh, this prompted an uncle of his to say that there were suspicious circumstances surrounding the entire acid throwing incident. I don't know what that was, but <laughs> that was good. Hey, I mean, I believed it. <laughs> it's better than anything I've done. So you know that. The whole thing where she keeps the family from him, it reminded me of the family, the Adams family. Yeah, Adams family values. Yes. Debbie. Mm. Oh, that's Debbie. right. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. When she does that thing, and she's like, do you want to see these people? And she, like, pushes up her boobs. <laughs> <laughs> Joan Cusack is underrated. She's brilliant. Yeah. She's been great. She's the best. She's the best. She's the better Cusack by far. By far. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, hands down. Mm -hmm. Hands down. The police assigned the magistrate Gustave Massey to investigate. Gustave would later become France's most famous detective. Mm. Uh, I think Hercule Poirot might have something to say. <laughs> oh, no, he's from Belgium. Bel <laughs> Belgium. Where's the Never mind. Uh, the Pink Panther from? I think <laughs> Inspector Clouseau yeah. might have something to say about that. Oh, there you go. That's it. The first time Massey went to question her, she was spraying some antiseptic in the room and mostly ignored him. Annoyed, he told her to leave that spray alone. It might shoot over us and then perhaps we should be sprinkled. As the Saint Pierre was. He's talking, he's talking about George. <laughs> <laughs> Jean was stunned and obediently put the bottle down and led Massey to George's room. George repeated his belief that it was a case of mistaken identity and he wanted to be left alone with Jean. When they confirmed to him that they were leaving to Italy, Massey said that this was unacceptable and they had to stay in Paris. Until the duration of his investigation was over. <laughs> Two detectives were assigned to follow Jean everywhere. They saw her on February 11th, so about a month, uh, a little under a month after the, the attack, visit the graveyard Charon, where she met with a laborer who was obviously Godry and gave him money before they went their separate ways. Hmm. I just imagine her them following in a horse and buggy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now, now I'm thinking about um, Sherlock. Yes. Yeah. But Sherlock was English, so he wouldn't have anything. He could be like, you could stay in France. No, no. Like, oh. I'm thinking of well, like, that, like, that, that atmosphere. 
Yeah, yeah. After that, Jean and Georges left for a suburb outside of Paris. So they stayed in France, but they left Paris. Okay. Massé continued to investigate, and he interviewed the porter. He learned from the porter that Georges went ahead of Jean in the courtyard, and she had stayed behind to close the gate, something unheard of at the time for a lady and a gentleman. Because why would he close the gate or get the porter to close the gate? And why would he go ahead of her into the courtyard? Yeah, she wouldn't even hang out with wine merchant kids. She's not closing a door. Exactly, exactly. And he also said that earlier that same day, Madame's brother had visited her. (gasps) Yeah. Massey court-ordered Jean back to Paris. He placed her under provisional arrest, and she complained about who would take care of Georges. Jean threatened him by saying that she knew people in the government and that he would regret this. Mace began to question her, asking, Why did you insist on going to that ball in January, Madame Precourt? I did nothing of the kind. Can you explain how the attacker made such a quick getaway? It was convenient. You're holding open the gate for him that way, was it not? (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. I would like to know the name. An address of the man you call your brother. I will not deliver the honest brother of a good family into the clutches of the police, I assure you. Why did you go to the Sharon Cemetery on February 11th? What? You met a man in that cemetery. I go to the cemetery to pray, not to meet men, not to keep assignations. And if you want to know, I have had typhoid fever which makes me often forget things. So I shall say nothing more. Nothing. Nothing. You're riddled with syphilis. (laughs) I can see it by just looking at you. I can smell it on you. (laughs) Cash, can you you just say father in the Matt Berry? Yeah, yeah. Father! Yeah! Oh, and he's in that. That cricket uniform? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Berry. Matt Berry no, like, transcends. You're not going to need any Vi- Viagra tonight. You're going to be so freaked. No cathariotin no for you. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> no blisters or anal bleeding for me tonight. <laughs> tonight my ass does not bleed. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not getting lucky. That's what you're <laughs> In front of the judge, she said, Your cleverest policemen will never find any evidence against me. Think well before you send me to a prison. I am not the woman to live long among thieves and prostitutes. <laughs> what? That was her threat? I might die soon if you put me in jail? <laughs> I think that there's like a... a, a, a there's a loss in translation. Mm-hmm. Because oh, okay. it's, a, it's some kind of threat where... I don't. I think she's basically saying, "I am not the one, not today." Yeah, I'm too oh, okay. much of a lady. Yes, I think that's kind of what I it couldn't is. do oh. it. I'm too refined. Oh, I thought she was threatening that if they put her in prison, she'd die. I, and I was like, and I was like, I don't think that's what they're worried about. <laughs> <laughs> I did too, but in the context of what happens next, it made more sense the other way because the judge 
takes this threat seriously and says that they need more evidence before sending her to prison. Oh. So the police, Masse and Jean, went back to her apartments. Oh, they're going to do it right now. Yeah, they did it like right away. Oh, okay. Where they searched through every document that she had. They found the letters from the count that she had blackmailed. <laughs> another letter from a man who had shot himself over her. The letter read, Ooh. Jean, in the flush of my youth, I die because of you, but I forgive you. That's crazy. Can you imagine being mailed a suicide letter? <laughs> oh. What if he wrote bang? God. What if he wrote bang? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah if it was like super short like you know why and then it was just like what why was this mailed to me how I did like, he mail it if he maybe he did it bang. he like put it in the post and then it says bang <laughs> i love it if you would time it so <laughs> she would get it how, how would you time it? it i don't know he'd have to wait outside or something he's like uh, okay <laughs> even if you even if you did return receipt, you would still have to wait for it to get back to you, and that would st- it wouldn't t- that wouldn't be timed. <laughs> <laughs> they used a pigeon. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that. Would, I don't know. Oh man, that would be great. There was also a bunch of uh, obscene poetry <laughs> written to her by other men. Oh, of course, and it just described all the sexual positions that they wanted to take her in. Uh, they also found belladonna, cantharides, and hashish in her house. The hashish, hey. no problem. Yeah, it's belladonna. That's another poison. Oh, it's yeah. another poison and another. It does something else too. Is that an aphrodisiac? Belladonna feature? root, right? It yeah, from the belladonna. Does it make yeah. you sleepy? Oh, maybe. I think so. Like, there's another way to use it besides killing people. Yeah, I think it might be sleep. Let's go with that. It's a yeah. <laughs> it's oh, it can be bought in with medical prescriptions. Oh, that's interesting. No, that's from the X Files. Remember the episode where they used foxglove to kill the people? Oh no, I didn't watch X Files. Oh, what you should? Yeah, you should. Yeah, it's you good. would like it. It's real good. I just uh, I don't know what's this the guy the main guy in it just he's a sex addict that's kind of problematic yeah watch well, but, yeah. but then you know he, got I, he was he was a, it was a big part of my puberty oh <laughs> uh, well what Jillian Anderson she was See, the too thing is, is, yeah well I found out later I wish I had watched it when I was a teenager but I found out later that she's bisexual and I was like oh man I would have loved it if I had found, found that out yeah. when I was Watch it. It's good. So they laid out all this, uh, all, all everything they found in front of her. But because honestly, none of it was a crime. She was unfazed and she kind of just made fun of them for a while. And she would say things like uh, she would order the housekeeper to open up all the windows because the cops had a nasty smell. Mm. <laughs> she would they ask probably them. did. I mean, honestly, everybody did back then. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. Everything smelled like like wet balls and dry feet. Like everything smelled awful. <laughs> I kind of feel like everything is wet and dirty. Yeah. 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 Wet balls and dirty feet. Yeah. That's everything. Everything smelled like that. It was just like, oh, I'm sure that 
that's probably why everybody opened windows so much. They were just like, we just need to get the air out. We need to get the funk out. Mm -hmm. She would also ask them mocking questions like, is the stock exchange up or down? Really? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, please hate that. Yeah. Is that her burn? I think so. <laughs> oh, because oh, man. they're not um, like scholarly enough to know. Who knows? Um, like... I think. Oh, oh that's she... probably why. Is she hosting the next course, uh, White House Correspondence Center? Because that's fire. <laughs> <laughs> that is solid. In one suitcase, though, they found a stack of letters all burnt at the edges. She demanded that they not look at them as they were property of Georges. I know. <laughs> it's like you're, they're going to look at them. She tried to, she got really nervous and she tried to explain that she had found them by the stove and kept them, although she knew she shouldn't have. Massey went again and questioned Georges, but Georges at first was like, I don't want to hear it. I love Jean. I don't want to, I don't want to talk to you. I won't hear a single bad word against her. Yeah. But then he asked him about these letters that he had found. Immediately, George's entire demeanor changed, and he explained that he had asked Jean to burn those letters for him after he became blind. He said that he thought he had heard the paper burn, but wondered at the time why he had also heard her pick up the tongs. Now... i love i love how you just imagine him being like i don't want to hear nothing nothing you hear me nothing that sounds like but but these letters what letters (laughs) what what now he knew that she had taken the letters out of the fire the letters contained information that would damn another aristocratic woman if they had ever been released to the public. Hmm. Now, Georges said, he understood that Jean had saved them to use as blackmail in case she ever had to because things went sour between them two. And he shouted, To bind me, to torture me, and and then profit by my condition to lie to me, to betray me. It's infamous. Infamous! <laughs> Is that what infamous means? Have we been using infamous wrong? It means you're famous for bad things. Yes. Jean was arrested and stayed silent at first, but after weeks of being in prison, she started to break. She wrote to George endlessly and tried to get a fellow prisoner that was being released to take a letter to Godry. At first, the inmate agreed, but when she got out, she didn't deliver it. Instead, <laughs> instead, her and her husband read it and laughed at it. And <laughs> oh, dick. oh my god! Oh, that's so funny. And in the letter, uh, Jean asked Godry to turn himself in so she could be released. Word, <laughs> word eventually made it back to the police about the letter. But by the time Massey went to question the ex, the girl that got released, she had thrown it away and had forgotten most of the details. <laughs> probably because like people, she like probably showed it to some people, and people were like, "You should read this letter about this woman who thinks that she sh- that some other guy should take the fall." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she remembered only that it was addressed to a man named Natalie because that was a curious name back then, I guess as well. 
and Jean had told her that he worked at an oil refinery. Hmm. Macy quickly tracked Natalie down, like within a matter of hours. He was really good. Yeah. He he sounds yeah. Really well, also, good. there are like eight people. <laughs> yes. Paris, right? That's true. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Natalie immediately confessed. He said, I have such a passion for that woman. She promised to marry me one night with her. I'm sorry. Yeah, she yeah. promised to marry me. One night with her would have been enough to live off of the rest of my life. It was the passion that drove me to do such a monstrous deed. You're a man, Inspector. You can understand how reason leaves the man when passion takes over. Can you not? He sounds like, you make him sound like, like, a, like a well-bred Frenchman. He's supposed to sound like, oh, <laughs> I don't know why I'm criticizing him. He's you. supposed to sound more crude? Yeah, he's like a laborer. He's just like we were hoping for more of a farm kind of Frenchman. I, I have such a passion for that woman. Yeah. I'm gonna sound like Barney. <laughs> for that woman. She promised to marry me one night with her when it'd been okay, enough. Okay, okay. Thank you. <laughs> you didn't want to go through with the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> when Massé uh. confronted Jean with Godry's confession, she stayed silent. But after he left, she tried to kill herself by swallowing powdered glass. Ew. Wow. What is with people in eating yeah, glass? Is that like a thing? Maybe in the 1800s, that's like a, a thing. <laughs> that's a horrible thing. And how do, you get, how do you get powdered? I feel like you don't you have to, you have to spend hours crunching up glass to be powdery. I think mortar and pestles were more ubiquitous back then. Okay. They just had them laying around. Yeah, the they were inside. everywhere. They didn't have coffee grinders. <laughs> you probably got a lot more I mean no that's not true I was going to say you probably got a lot more luxuries in prison back then but that's not true <laughs> I met in her like I got time together. in my cell ooh la la you got the exclusive cell <laughs> um, I imagine her like tying together sheets and clothing to get to like knock something over on the, on the counter outside the jail cell so she can get it and like the keys are right next to her Right next to a pedestal, and she's like, "I got it! I got that thing! I can make powdered glass now and kill myself." <laughs> well, she tried again two days later with a poison, but also failed. Then, on May twelfth, eighteen seventy-seven, Jean and Gaudry were brought to the magistrate, which I believe is the equivalent of an arraignment now. Okay. At first, Jean tried to plead with Gaudry, saying. Please, Natalie, none of this is true. You must tell them I am not involved in your madness. You must tell them that. And he sadly replied, it is too late. On July 23rd, 1877, their trial began. So now you're doing all the voices? Hey, so it? Those weren't, those weren't in the, the last one wasn't in the outline. I'm- <laughs> I just remembered it from my readings. <laughs> There's more coming up, I think. I'm kidding. kidding. On July 23rd, 1877, their trial began. It was a great spectacle in Paris, and the gallery was full of the who's who at the time, including famous actors of the Comédie Française and a famous playwright. Jean's attorney was the then famous Charles Lachaud, who had defended and loved the poisoner Marie Lafarge before her. Marie Lafarge was also like a big trial in hmm. France at the time. Oh, okay. Because she poisoned her husband with arsenic. We'll talk about her one day. Ooh. Mm. 
Gadri testified that he would not that he would have done anything for Jean. He was mad for her and had known her since she was a child. Ugh. Well, yeah, they grew Ooh. up together. They were childhood oh, yeah, that's friends. Right, that's right, that's right. Oh, I was I was for some reason I was picturing him <laughs> way older. Yeah, me too. So. Me too. <laughs> he definitely probably looked way yeah, older. Yeah, they they all looked way older. <laughs> Jean would scream that it was all a lie and that Gadri could not look her in the eye and say any of it was true. This part was really funny because there's a transcript in detail in the in the book where she says that she's like, he cannot look me in the eye and say any of it is true. And then the lawyer is like, he's looking you in the eye right now. <laughs> and, she, and she's like, well, he can't. And, he, and she's like moving her eyes around. <laughs> what? No, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> and then he asked her, like, why is he lying? She, the lawyer is like, he's not lying. And she's like, yes, he is. And she's and he says, why would he lie? And she just doesn't answer. She's just like, she just would. Class. <laughs> because he's a liar. <laughs> liar, liar, pants on fire. His pants yeah. are on fire. She like lights his <laughs> pants on fire. Exactly. George was then called to the stand. And he testified everything as he knew it. She yelled, at, she yelled for him to defend her. And he coldly told her, I state the facts. <gasps> Both parties tried to lay the majority of the blame on the other, but in the end, it was obvious to everyone Jean was the mastermind. She received 15 years in prison, while Galdry received five. Oh, wow. It is said that after she completed her full sentence, oh. Jean spent the last of her days peddling fruit on the same cobblestones she grew up on. Poor and alone. Oh, wow. I I'm picturing the end of that movie, Perfume. Oh, yeah. That's nice. <laughs> oh, yeah. About? You guys should really watch it. It's fantastic. It's good. Very I've good. read the book, too. It's really oh, good. There's a book? Yeah, the book is really good. It's, it's, it's a German book, I think. Ah, yes. Mm. The Germans and their love. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Is that the one where... A guy t kills women and takes their flesh and, and uses it to create the perfect scent. Yeah, but not takes their flesh. There are several methods that he uses to extract the scent. Uh, it goes into great detail in the book. It's really cool. Oh, nice. Oh, okay. I'm going to pick that up. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so that's the story of, I'm going to let Marcelina say her name because I've said it wrong 50 million <laughs> times. Jean <laughs> Brecourt. Yay. Mm. <laughs> Blackmailer and I you she's not a murderer because George didn't die, but she's a maimer. So, so maimer. she's she's yeah. like Charles Manson. Yeah. 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 Kind of, yeah. She yeah. had her, her groupies. She yeah, exactly. She if she played it right, she could have been riding dune buggies in the desert. Honestly, but, yeah. <laughs> if I were her, I would have just stuck with the grocery store because it's like, I don't have a man bugging me. I have my own business. Everybody always needs groceries. That's where I would have stayed. That makes sense. Why didn't she, you know, yeah. save her money, invest? Because she loved things and she loved like being the, like, you know, like so many people, she loved spending that money to show her wealth. But it also seems that, like, the men that she wanted her, she actively hated. And then the men that she wanted didn't really, you know, like, 
she like it was like she could never be happy with what she had no yeah she i think she could have lived a happy life just being like a high class prostitute and just having men pay for stuff oh yeah she was just like have y'all seen i hate you all (laughs) (laughs) have y'all seen unsolved mysteries yet not the new one ah it's good I don't say anything. I just started watching that first episode. Yeah, I haven't watched. I haven't finished it yet, but I just started watching that first episode. I watched. And it, I watched all of them at once. Is one of them about a high class prostitute? No, but you'll know oh, which one I'm talking about. Oh, that's exciting! Yeah, yeah. Ooh. Yeah, we've been putting it off because we kept watching things that involved like rape or child molestation. Like we watched, <laughs> I forgot what movie we were watching, and there was an unexpected rape scene. Then we were watching Juan, and there was an unexpected yeah, rape Juan, scene. Juan had a lot, and uh, then, <laughs> and then we were watching. I don't even. I put on Law and Order: Criminal Intent, and then that there, was a mistake. All of a sudden, there was one. It was like, dude, this isn't SVU. What the and, the, fuck? and the whole time, no matter what we're watching, the whole time I'm also researching something for the show. So I was like, this is a lot, and <laughs> my brain yeah. is going to break. So. We saw that Unsolved Mysteries was on Netflix, but I was like, we need to wait. Not do this right now. They're, they're I, all... I pretty much just watch sitcoms and like cartoons when I'm not when I'm not researching murder. That's <laughs> all. Because it's just like I just don't I don't need to watch more murder. I'm good. Marcelina, are, are the Unsolved Mysteries are they are they rapey or is it no? Oh, good. Oh, good. No, they are not rapey. Uh, and there's one UFO one, Ooh. so it's good. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. All right, guys. Uh, uh, Marcelina, thank you for joining us. Oh, of course. This is a dream. This is so much fun. True crime podcasts are the soundtrack to my life. Yes. <laughs> Amen to that. Uh, <laughs> do you have anything you want to plug? Um, uh, Not as of now. You can always follow me on Instagram at the death of Marat. Yeah, it's weird. It's the death of M-A-R-A-T. It's a painting that was my desktop picture when I got Instagram. That makes sense to me. Cool. Thanks. (laughs) Oh, and Twitter at Mark underscore O underscore Lena M-A-R-C underscore O underscore L-I-N-A. None of my social media handles make sense. And I'm not changing all- them ever. Didn't. <laughs> uh, check our po- uh, Patreon out. It's patreon.com slash bloody podcast. We have some fun episodes up there. Uh, we have uh, some bonus content. We do live shows. Uh, we also have a weekly live show the second Wednesday of the month at the Pack Theater Twitch. So uh, check that out. It was cute if, this uh, month. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for watching. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> and uh yeah and uh anything else i'm i'm missing or we- no that's it everybody have a good okay. night